falsehood, infidelity. There has been a breakdown somewhere in that, in that decalogue. Somewhere there has been a fracture of disobedience in one or more of those Ten Commandments. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to draw some attention to these areas that will provide solid rock for us to build our lives upon. And so that's exactly where we're going to go for a few Sundays. I want us to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 48 and 49. You can just look at it on the screen. This is kind of a parallel passage to, to Matthew chapter 7, the closing of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about a wise and a foolish man, both of them building houses, both of them experiencing external problems. And so this is a companion passage because it's very specific about the foundation. That's why I've chosen this one. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Notice carefully. You say, I've heard this before. You know, I was intrigued with the fact that in the passage we're going to look at together today in Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7 is a repetition of Exodus chapter 20. Same people, same preacher. And yet, in the beginning of his ministry, as God gave him these laws, not just once, but twice, and they were passed on to the people, now at the closing of his life and ministry, he comes right back and you can read chapter 5, the opening chapter, and it's word for word what he had written in Exodus chapter 20. And so it's not a matter of saying to your children, all right, I've told you that, now what's next? But you need to understand that repetition is the mother of learning. How many would agree with me you don't get everything you need to get the first time through, or even the second time through? But you need to lay precept upon precept and line upon line. And it doesn't hurt to repeat the truth that you've already told them. Because if you listen to advertising, they will teach us something. And you'll listen for it the next time you get an, uh, an ad on, on TV or on the radio. They'll tell you what they want to say. Then they're going to repeat what they said. And they're going to tell you what they told you because they know repetition has something to do with etching in your mind their message. So let me say to you this morning, although these words are familiar to us, the Holy Spirit needs to repeat them because we didn't get it all the first time. Chances are we still, no matter how long we've been reading this book, God the Holy Spirit can bring fresh revelation to our hearts and bring us truth that we can build our lives upon. Like a man who building a house dug down deep. Holy Spirit, give us power tools to get down deep enough. Let the power of the Holy Spirit let us get down deep enough 
to lay a sure foundation. The living word of God. No external element, no matter how strong it is, can destroy a home that is built upon the word of God. As simple as I can say it, if you'll take the word of God and live the word of God, you will survive the elements of this world. Jesus said so. It's not a message that I give you or an opinion that I offer to you, but Jesus said so. He said the winds blew, the floods came, the rains descended, beat upon that house, but it stood because it was well built. It was built upon a rock. And I know you would agree with me, and we say it often, that our generations that live now have so much more that they have to cope with than we coped with when we were their age. So certainly that can be the, re the reason, that can be the excuse for the collapse of marriage. I don't think so. Jesus points at the problem. Jesus really focuses upon the foundation. And the cause of collapse is very clear. He said, that house will stand because it is well built. I'm going to read it to you again because it's his word. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But one who hears my words and does not put them into practice like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck, it collapsed and its destruction was Complete. So please, we cannot use the excuse that external circumstances and external influences caused that breakdown. No, it didn't. There was an internal problem that caused that breakdown. It was a structural problem beneath the ground, hidden from the eyes of people, but not from the eyes of God. You can't build on just soft soil. You've got to dig down deep and get to the rock. Any house built on the rock can stand the storm. Any house built on the rock can stand the storm. Doesn't matter how, how powerful the winds, no matter how much the flood, the rains. The trick is not to take that home and frame it and hang it on the wall, but to take that home, put it in your heart. Because you can, you can put it on the wall. There's no magic in that. But the miracle is when that truth is inside your heart and your soul. That truth is obeyed. That makes all the difference in the world. I believe that America really is under siege. We are in, we are in a battle for the minds and the hearts of men. Satan is master deceiver and he would much rather push a lie than push any other addiction, dope or whatever. Because if he can get you to believe a wrong thing, you'll behave a wrong thing. So I am persuaded that we need to deal with the truth, live in and love the truth. We're going to examine together some things today in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 through 9 and it really is just an introduction to where we're going to be as uh, 
Moses was repeating in chapter 5 all the Ten Commandments in detail. Then in chapter 6, he opens by saying, these are the commands. What commands? The ones he just repeated in the previous chapter. These are the commands, decrees, and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live in keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. I need to stop there and identify God's motivation. It's really clear, is it not? His reason for then and now is so that we might enjoy life. Not so that he could kind of be a killjoy and, you know, just make everything that's fun against the law. But every law that God has given us is for our benefit and for our protection. Only one reason, so that we might enjoy, we and our children after us might enjoy long life. They are liberating laws. They are not meant to restrict us. They are not fences to keep us in, but they are fences to keep trouble from getting to us. And I think our perspective on what God is trying to do is absolutely critical. It is a barrier to those things that would destroy us. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. God has that in his plan. I need to repeat it. Be careful to obey that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in the land, flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised. That it may go well. That's this pastor's heart. That's, that's my desire for us. That's my intention for us as we look at these passages, that our worship will be better, our work will be better, and uh, every part of family life will be enhanced because we are building on the rock. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Notice that. Not just in your head, but they are to be imparted as life touches life. And I am persuaded that that role and that responsibility rests scripturally as I read this passage upon mom and dad, grandma and dad, as they touch lives that live with them. The truth that you have in your heart to be communicated as life touches life, as God gives you the responsibility and he says, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hand. Bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So that's why I made that little suitable for framing. Put it there conspicuously where people have to see it. 
and be impacted by it. That verse to the Jews is called the Shema. S-H-E-M-A. Taken from the first word, hear. Hear, O Israel. Remember when Hannah prayed for a son? God gave her a son and she called him Shama El. El is the word for God. Shama means to hear. So her, her name that she chose for her son was God has heard my prayer. His name is Samuel, Shamael. And so the word here is the Shema. The Jews said this at least twice a day, to start the day in the morning and to close the day at night. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They memorized that. It was the statement they used to open every synagogue service. It was something they were reminded of and repeated on a daily basis. And as often as they got together, they would repeat the Shema. They felt this to be the most important verse in the book of Deuteronomy, if not the most important verse in all of Holy Scripture. And so we do well to put some emphasis right here in this passage and to love the Lord with all our heart. You can't get in a whole lot of trouble loving the Lord with all your heart. You're not going to get into a whole lot of trouble loving the Lord with all your heart. You're not going to get into a whole lot of trouble loving the Lord with all your heart. That's better. Oh, that's good. And so there's a reason why the first commandment is the first commandment. Because if we get that one right, all the rest are going to be right. If lordship is right, stewardship gets right. If lordship is right, worship gets right. If lordship is right, family life gets right. And so the real issue with, with us this morning is let's love the Lord with all of our heart. And not love the world, because if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. We talked last week about the love of money, which is the root of all evil. And, and loving pleasure more than lovers of God. This is a very clear sign of the end time. And all of those suitors that would draw away our affection this morning, we need to deal with those so that we love the Lord with all of our heart. Not part or semi but all of our heart our soul our mind and our strength so it's a, a matter of identifying the fact that there are other loves out there that if we're not careful we can become uh, seduced by and the call of the Holy Spirit this morning is that we come back to all of our heart all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. This is the great revelation, one Lord, one love, one great response with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and great responsibility. These commandments that I give you today shall be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk with them when you sit down at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, it is not, it is not possible for junior church staff to do the job God has given you to do. We have them 
one hour a week. That's not enough. That's not enough to make them build on a solid foundation. There has to be daily, life-touching life. And assuming the responsibility that has been communicated by the Holy Spirit, these commands that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them upon your students, your class, no, on your children. That, that brings the responsibility home. And after all, I believe with all of my heart that the church can never, never exceed the spirituality of the home. A church is made up of people who have, who have a relationship with God, that they walk out of their homes into God's house, and we share at that level whatever level of spirituality there is. And the church can never really rise above how seriously we take this message and how seriously we live out this truth in our own home. When we walk home, pull in the driveway and close the door behind us, it's what takes place there until we get back here that will make us either a carnal or a spiritual congregation. Would you agree? Because we just bring a collection of ourselves together and we can only demonstrate to the level and degree of our spiritual vitality in life a worship that is pleasing to God. It is not in the mechanics of what happens while we're here. It is not in the matter of who's in charge and how well they lead. But it's a matter of how prepared are we when we walk into the house of God. How much are we in love with the one we're going to sing to? Are our hearts filled and overflowing with all of our mind, heart, and strength? You see, if you're truly in love with someone, love must be expressed. And that's really what worship is. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King. The triumph of His grace. Oh, when it's in our heart, you know, it's easier to communicate to someone else's heart. And kids know. Would you agree? Kids know what's in your heart. You can be saying it with your mouth, but they're watching. And they're sampling and they're taking and tasting of your spirit. Even God said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's experience. Wouldn't you agree? That's experience. Oh, taste and see that is a personal experience that you, when you sit down at lunch today, you will taste and see. That's what your children are doing. They're sampling your soul continually. They know how important prayer is to you. They know how important the word is to you. They know how important God is to you. We need to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, mind, strength. Let them catch from us what is important. Oh, my. I'm sorry. 
I'm just going to run through this quickly. In case you want to take some notes. How, how is this to be taught? First of all, convincingly. These commandments are to be upon your heart. Consistently impress them upon your children. King James says, teach them diligently. Hear me, parents, diligently. Not hit and miss, not haphazard, not once in a while. Diligently. And to your children. Creatively talk with them when you sit at home, when you walk in the road, when you lie down. There is not just you sit still while I instill. I think that's not going to work. But there are creative ways that you can share your faith with them in the routine of life. Conversationally, Deuteronomy 6, 20-23, in the future when your sons ask, when they're curious, that's the time, really give them the truth. When your sons ask, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws of God that he's commanded you? Tell him. Tell him. When they are curious, look for, wait for, watch for, and respond to the questions as they come. And they will. Because they want to know why you do what you do. What is important to you? And why is that important? When they ask, you give them the answer conversationally and conspicuously we've already touched this tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your forehead write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates conspicuous conspicuous the Jews actually did it they just put a little shema on their hands bound it with a leather thong they put it here on their forehead bound it with a leather thong took it literally I'm not sure that's what God meant for them to do because I know you can do those things and still break all the laws inside the little box. But what he was saying, have it in your heart, not just tie it around your hand, frame it and put it on the wall, but let it control everything you do with your hands and every opinion and thought and idea controlled by the laws of God. And... Put it conspicuously. Put it in a place where it's obvious. And that's what the Holy Spirit is reminding us. I believe with all of my heart that any, any home built on those seven laws or ten laws will stand any test. Any storm, any wind, any rain, any flood, it'll stand. But if we don't obey the word, we're like a foolish man who builds a house without a foundation. My heart's desire is that we not see one person go through the collapse. If that second story should fall into the first story, I tell you what, Channel 4, Channel 11, Channel 2, CNN, everybody would be here taking pictures. But the tragedy is this is happening all too often where there's a collapse and there's there's tragedy that's happening in lives and it doesn't even make the news anymore. My heart's prayer and desire is, oh God, let there be healing wherever there's hurting. And oh God, let's do something to stop the hurting. Let's get down to bedrock. Eight feet if we have to through the soft soil. But if we're going to build, let's do it on solid rock. Let's do it on the ground. Aren't you glad we have a rock this morning? I want you to stand with me. Marie's going to lead us in the chorus.
that just speaks to that fact. And I want you to feel that rock under your feet this morning. Maybe there's a storm going on around you, but it can't defeat you. It's not possible with the rock.